You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. Happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves take on the LA Lakers Friday night. Uh, We're not going to spend a ton of time on the show today previewing uh, the game. LeBron James is listed as out. He's not going to play. The Lakers are definitely a beatable team at this point. We'll we'll close with a couple of quick notes on that matchup. But I want to spend most of the show talking about some lineup data. And I want to push what I've been pushing now for several weeks and actually going back to before the season. The idea of Malik Beasley being in the starting lineup. I understand why he's not, but I think there's a case to be made, especially now with the Timberwolves sitting at three and seven with a bottom five offense in the league, basically since their second game of the season, it's been atrocious. Why Malik Beasley should be in the starting lineup. At this point, there's not much to lose. I'll make the case for that on the show today. I also want to touch briefly on Carl Anthony Towns and his issues offensively and uh, why that might be to this point in the season. First, though, a quick thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember that Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms that includes YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Wolves, and my account is at bbeacon with two Bs, two Es, CK, Ian. Okay, let's start with this lineup and uh, Malik Beasley discussion. So I've talked about this on the show before quite a bit, if you're a regular listener. Malik Beasley would be best served to be part of the Timberwolves' first unit. And there's a lot of different ways to unpack this, but we'll start here. Malik Beasley is not your typical high-usage scoring guard. I know the idea behind him is instant offense, uh, you know, he can he can score quickly. He should be a six-man type. If you look at, you know, 19.9 points per game in a Wolves uniform coming into the season, he had a 24% usage rate last year in 37 games with the Wolves. Before that, even the year split between Denver and Minnesota, 22% usage rate. Basically, with the Timberwolves up until this year, he was 24% usage rate. Uh, the idea is he's like a, he, sh- he was supposed to be the Wolves' third score, right? Behind Towns and Russell. You add in Anthony Edwards, he's bumped to fourth. But because Edwards plays the two, now Beasley becomes a bench player. But Malik Beasley is a catch-and-shoot player. He's a terror in transition. He's a terror on the catch. He doesn't create for others. He does not get to the free-throw line. He doesn't really put the ball on the deck with the intention of scoring unless it's in transition. He's shooting a pull-up three or getting all the way to the rack. Um, His offensive game, he's outstanding at what he does. But what he does is not best suited to be the best scorer on the second unit. If he's playing with the second unit that's otherwise void of offense, if he's playing with, uh, you know, Patrick Beverly, who's a good offensive player, obviously, but by the way, has also been starting. So we've seen a little more Jordan McLaughlin and then Beverly and Russell staggered with the second unit. But we'll say if if Beasley plays most of his minutes with Patrick Beverly and Jordan McLaughlin, neither of whom are super dynamic offensive players, if he plays most of his minutes with Josh Kogi, 
Jared Vanderbilt, both defense first energy guys who have no offensive games to speak of. Nas Reed obviously has been really good offensively and the Wolves have started to run more of their second unit offense through him. But remember, Cat plays 34, 35 minutes a game. So you're talking 10 to 13 minutes a game where, or 10 to 16 minutes a game where Nas is on the floor with no towns. So Beasley's not then playing with other dynamic offensive players. If he's in the starting lineup with D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Beasley is no longer having to do all of the heavy lifting. Now, what do I mean by that? So the usage rate is one thing, right? And you say, oh, he's a high usage player. He should be able to score. Sure. Uh, but what percentage of, and he, and he can score, I, I should say, he the, the implication of the high usage rate is he controls the ball. He's going to, and not every, not, the point here, I guess, is not every high usage rate is created equal, right? Beasley does not control the ball when he's on the floor. When he gets it, it's like a hot potato. He's going to shoot it or he's going to swing it. And what percent, if you had to guess what percent of Beasley's shots uh, are assisted, I'm going to, well, you're not going to have to guess. You can guess if you want, you can play along. Uh, But the percentage of his two point field goals for his career that have been assisted more than two thirds, 68.4% of his career two point attempts have been assisted. Three point attempts, obviously 92.1%, because even if it's in transition, unless he's the one getting the rebound, bringing it up the court, somebody's kicking it ahead to him and getting an assist if he knocks down a transition three. So 68.4% of his two-point field goals for his career have been assisted. Compare that to Carl Anthony Towns, 60.5% of his two-point field goals have been assisted, which also makes sense given how he's used offensively. Anthony Edwards, 39.4% of his two-point field goals in his career. 394 So just a little over a third of his two-point field goals. Beasley's more than two-thirds of his two-point field goals. D'Angelo Russell, by the way, and granted he's played a ton of his career at point guard, 21.9% of his field goals have been assisted. Malik Beasley is not somebody who's going to take the ball and create offense himself or for others with the second unit. We've started to see Chris Finch use him a little bit more with the first team offense and kind of, kind of, try and meld those two and, and stagger the minutes of Russell and of Towns so that Beasley's getting more minutes with the, with the top unit. We saw this late in crunch time, uh, the last couple of games, a little bit against the Warriors. We definitely saw it in Memphis and going back to, uh, to the loss last Friday at home uh, as well against the Clippers. We've started to see him play a little bit more in crunch time and the lineup data has borne that out. Um, so what I want to do next is I want to look at that data and look at some five man and three man lineups proving that Beasley, despite the fact that individually he's been bad this year, and I should have led with that, actually, I recognize he's been bad so far this season. But my argument would be a big reason for that is he's playing with the second unit primarily. He's coming off the bench. If he plays with the first unit, he gets better. The Timberwolves offense gets better because of the way that that Beasley operates offensively. So I want to look at the lineup data next um, and just kind of hammer that point home, just how good he is as a catch-and-shoot player and you know exactly why he should be he should be the third or fourth option because he'd be a really really good third or fourth option third or fourth option versus being the first or second option with a with an inferior reserve unit so lineup data is next. Then we'll get into Towns and we'll get into Wolves-Lakers. First, though, uh, this episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by McDonald's. 
proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. McDonald's is my family's go-to on road trips. If it's in the morning, it's sausage egg McMuffins. If it's at night, it's McDoubles and fries. Uh, maybe it's nuggets for the kids. A lot of times it's cheeseburger Happy Meal. Um, but McDonald's, at 24-hour McDonald's, I know exactly which McDonald's in my area are 24 hours. And those are the ones that I'm stopping at when I'm working late. Uh, those are the ones I'm stopping at when uh, we're leaving early in the morning for a road trip. Um, it's, it's just McDonald's is a staple almost weekly in my family. Head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Locked on Wolves watch party? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. Let's also talk about betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball to football, NHL to boxing, and UFC right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 and 2022 seasons. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Again, promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so lineup data related to Malik Beasley. Um, the Timberwolves' number one five-man lineup so far this year. This is interesting. I was not expecting this. And by the way, I filtered this by uh, base. I, this is relatively arbitrary, and I admit that. But we're 10 games into the season. Where do you draw the line as far as you know minimum number of minutes played together? The Timberwolves have only had six, six five-man lineups that have played 18 or more minutes together. I set it at 15, so I guess uh, six, six lineups that have played 15 or more minutes together. The number one lineup that's played 18 total minutes together. So again, small sample size, I get it. But still, Patrick Beverly... Anthony Edwards, Josh Okogie, Jade McDaniels, and Carl Anthony Towns, which is uh, what? That was the lineup, I think, that started when D'Angelo Russell was out at one point last week against the Clippers, um, but just an odd lineup. That's the number one five-man lineup, a 23.7, a plus 23.7 net rating. The second and third best five-man lineups this year so far for the Timberwolves that have played more than 15 minutes, both have Malik Beasley. One is Beverly, Beasley, Edwards, McDaniels, and Towns. So effectively, Beasley at the two, Edwards bump to the three. And then that's a plus 18.7. The next one is D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so the same lineup, but with Russell instead of Beverly. Um, so what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that Beasley works really well with Edwards, Towns, and McDaniels, which if you had said before the season, what's the Timberwolves starting lineup going to be? I would have told you, what, what did I say in the show? I said it was either going to be Russell, Beasley, Edwards, McDaniels, and Towns, or it'd be Russell, Beasley, Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, and Towns. And uh, the former of those two, which I would have said would have been my starting lineup, has Malik Beasley as the Timberwolves' third best five-man lineup net rating so far this season. Beasley, Edwards, Russell, Towns, and McDaniels all on the floor together, a plus 12.3. Um, and by the way, um, a concern with that lineup could be rebounding because there's no Vanderbilt, because Edwards is at the three, because Beasley's on the floor. 
But that five-man lineup has a 66, excuse me, a 76.2% defensive rebounding rate. Not outstanding, but as a team, the Timberwolves are in the 69.5% range, which is awful. They're still dead last in the league in defensive rebounding percentage. At halftime, the Warriors had more offensive rebounds on Wednesday night than the Timberwolves had defensive rebounds. And I think it was like a one-point difference headed to the fourth quarter. I think the Wolves had like 14 rebounds, defensive rebounds, and the Warriors had like 13 offensive rebounds. It was something like that. Um, But that lineup has actually rebounded better than any other five-man lineup, the Russell, Beasley, Edwards, McDaniels, Towns lineup. So think about that. So the second and third best lineups, five-man lineups, both have Beasley. The number one three-man lineup so far this season that's actually played 50 minutes together is exactly what you would have said was the Timberwolves' big three heading into last season before they drafted Anthony Edwards. D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Carl Anthony Towns, the Timberwolves' best three-man lineup so far this season. A 17.7 plus uh, a plus 17.7 net rating. And by the way, for what it's worth, the defensive rebounding rate, 77.3%, which is way better than any other three-man lineup. The next best one uh, is is way down the list in terms of net rating. And that's Russell Beasley and Edwards, by the way, in terms of uh, in terms of three-man lineups. But Russell Towns and Beasley is the Wolves' best three-man lineup so far this season. Beasley plays really well. He's a very good complementary player to the way that D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns play. To have him on the wing when Russell and Towns operate pick and roll in the middle of the floor, outstanding. To have him spotting up in the corner when D'Lo drives into the paint or when Carl Anthony Towns gets the ball on the perimeter, he drives into the paint. To have Beasley in the corner, outstanding. To have Beasley running on the break when Towns rips down a board, gets the ball to D'Lo, he headbands it to Beasley. That's exactly what Malik Beasley's best at is catch and shoot in transition, get to the rim in transition, uh, you know, one dribble and a dunk or one dribble and a layup, one dribble and a, and a three-pointer in transition or catch and shoot in the half court. That's what Malik Beasley does best. I've said this so many times in the show, and I don't need to dig up all the the catch and shoot numbers again, but he's basically a 41% catch and shoot three-point shooter. Now, it's been a little lower this year in a very small sample, um, but it's really hard for me to see how Beasley could be nearly as beneficial to the Timberwolves with the bench unit that struggles to score, generally speaking, and mostly is running through Nas Reed, which is which is what they should be doing at this point, versus with the starting lineup, when Anthony Edwards, when he starts to figure, and he's getting better at this, right? He's getting better at decision-making, and when he's getting downhill on a dribble handoff or in a pick and roll, to understand to swing the ball, kick it back out to the perimeter, swing the ball around the perimeter, to have Malik Beasley on the floor with that grouping instead of Jaden McDaniels, who has really struggled this year, instead of... Um, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, or instead of Josh Kogi, instead of at this point, Torian Prince, Malik Beasley is the best option. And I know that he's missed some of those shots this year, but remember who he's been playing with for the most part. And even if he's missing the shots, the point here is that the Timberwolves best three-man lineup and their second and third best five-man lineups all include Malik Beasley, regardless of the fact that Malik Beasley's playing so poorly this season. He's obviously a better three-point shooter than he's been. Um, he's obviously a better shooter, period, than he's been. Currently, Malik Beasley's shooting 31.6% from the corners, from corner threes this season. For his career, that includes this year, 42.9%. Last year, 45%. The year before that, 45%. The year before that, 46% from the corners. That 31% from Malik Beasley is not going to stick. He needs to be playing with the starters. He needs to get into a rhythm. And he's going to add an element to the Timberwolves offense that they've been missing for basically this entire season. And Chris Finch really shouldn't be waiting much longer. And in my mind, and so I guess the next obvious question is, who does that bump out of the lineup, out of the starting lineup? Um, well, I guess at the moment, it would be Patrick Beverly because the Wolves have been starting Beverly 
Russell Edwards at the three. I think Beverly goes back to the bench. I think you start D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards. Frankly, I would be starting Jared Vanderbilt at the four, especially if you're starting Beasley, because then it gives you a little bit more size and rebounding. And then you bump Jade McDaniels to the bench. Towns obviously at the five. So my starting lineup, which which I was back and forth between this and having McDaniels at the four in the offseason, is Russell, Beasley, Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, Carl Anthony Towns. That's the best Timberwolves starting lineup. At some point, we're going to get that combination for an extended period of time. And, uh, and we're going to, we're going to all look back at this episode and, uh, and, uh, I guess this will be the, the turning point for the Timberwolves, right? I'm sure that Chris Finch is, is watching or listening to this and, uh, it's going to happen now that I've spoken it into existence again. Um, uh, but at any rate, we can all hope for that lineup. It needs to happen. Um, I want to close the show by talking a little bit about Carl Anthony Towns and his problems so far this year, scoring the basketball, why he's had so many issues scoring the basketball, at least, at least, uh, partially part of the reason why. Um, and then we'll do a quick Wolves Lakers preview, just kind of what to expect between Wolves Lakers on, uh, on Friday night at Staples, uh, there in LA. So, uh, we're going to hit that here next. First though, let's talk about our great friends over at Built Bar. We've been talking about Built Bar now for, I don't know, probably two years. I had two Built Bars today, by the way, fantastic. I should say on Thursday, amazing, fantastic. It's almost Thanksgiving and I love Thanksgiving. Of all the good food and treats, I mean, there's plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, and covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough for you, go for a Built Bar or two now. Share some at your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward, and maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off. Your order, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, uh, let's talk Carl Anthony Towns and his issues so far this season. We know that Cat has had a really solid, um, beyond solid, year so far shooting the ball from outside the arc. I think he's over 50% again. Let me pull the exact number here. Uh, let's see 47.1% from deep. Um, overall, I mean, his effective field goal percentage is good. His true shooting percentage is good, uh, because he shot the ball so well from outside the arc effective field goal percentage right now, 58.1%, which would actually be the third best in his career. Um, behind only one of his all-star seasons and then and then the the first injury season the 1920 season when he got hurt and then the season was shortened with the pandemic 58.1% effective field goal percentage you know we'll take that true shooting percentage 62.1% which is better than last year it's in line with where he was in his all-star seasons um because he's shooting the ball so well from 3 now how sustainable is the three-point shooting that's a good question. Um, for his career, he was like roughly 39% coming into the season. This year, he's 47.1%. I can buy him, you know, 
His career high in a season was 42%. So certainly he could shoot in the 40s. He's not going to shoot 47% from deep this year, especially in the volume that he's shooting um, from three. His three-point rate right now is, uh, let's see, it's just a tick below where it was two years ago. But right now it would be the second highest in his career. But why is that? Um, it's because his free throw rate is way lower. And why is that? Two reasons. Number one, the, the game is being officiated differently. More physical play is being allowed on the defensive end of the floor by the officials for better or for worse. Generally, I prefer it. It's obviously a bad thing for Towns and therefore for the Wolves. The second thing is he's just had some bad luck around the rim. Um, some of it's technique and some of it is him getting flustered. And we've all seen Towns get flustered when he gets doubled, uh, when there's a late double, when he's not getting a foul call, he's handled himself a little bit better lately, but he just kind of flails around and misses shots he should make. But there is some bad luck involved. I mean, Towns didn't suddenly forget how to shoot the ball at the rim. Um, that's not what's going on here. This is a combination of refs. Officials are still allowing guys to be, it's always been, Towns has always gotten a slow whistle offensively. Um, well, <laughs> Depends, I guess it depends on how you're how we're positioning this. He's gotten a quick whistle when it comes to offensive fouls. He doesn't get fairly officiated. And I, and I truly believe this. If you're a regular listener of the show, I am fair when it comes to officiating. I'll call it like I see it. It's not fun to whine about officiating all the time. Towns does not get as many foul calls as he should. Part of that is his fault because of the way he plays and because of the way he's often reacted in his career. I think consciously or subconsciously, officials are less likely to give him the whistles. I think he's improved over the past two weeks this season. But layer on top of that, the lack of fouls being called this year um, in, in, in the paint and post-up situations and the number of double teams that Towns has seen, which has only increased because of the, snow, the, the snowball effect here of Towns struggling in the post because of the physicality. So teams are like, well, let's double him and get the ball out of his hands or make him turn it over or make him take a bad shot. And when he does get the ball to the perimeter, the Timberwolves aren't making three-pointers. They're bottom five in the league in three-point shooting percentage. Um, so why would teams not crash a double and sometimes a triple team at Carl Anthony Towns basically on the catch, blitz him in the post wherever he catches it below the arc. If it's in the mid post, the high post, the low post, doesn't matter. Let's send multiple defenders at Cat and make his life more difficult. That is the biggest issue so far this season. His free throw rate is is uh, 0.253, which is the lowest mark since his rookie season. And uh, his the only other time he's been below a 0.34 for his career in free throw rate, which is again, the number of free throws attempted per field goal attempts went on the floor, um, would be his second season when he was 21 years old, the year before he became an all-star, the year before the Jimmy Butler year. Since then, he's always had a free throw rate of 0.34 or greater down to 0.25 this year, uh, which is just unbelievable. Um, and I mean, again, it's a function of all the things I just mentioned. And therefore that's limiting his effectiveness. His shooting in the paint is just not as good in general. Um, in fact, I've got his, uh, his line here in terms of his shooting numbers. Uh, let's see here. So I went back to, to 2000, uh, well, actually, let's do post-up numbers first. With 2019-20, his points per possession in post-ups, post-up situations only was 0.95. That was like 60-something percentile, which, side note, Towns hasn't been as good in the post as you may think he has been. A lot of that is because he doesn't handle double teams very well, hasn't in his career. One-on-one, -on -one, I'll take Towns any day of the week. He's going to score more often than not in the post. But overall, in post situations in 1920, just 0.95 points per possession. That dropped to 0.88 last season. It's just 0.67 points per possession this year. That's like 12th percentile in the league, which is obviously just miserable. Um, it's it's really bad. By the way, it's still above LeBron James, who I know has been hurt and only played in like six games, but still. Um, overall, shooting the ball, shooting the ball now, not just strictly post-up situations, 
from different areas on the floor, going back to 2000, uh, this or actually last year, 2021, within five feet of the basket, so zero to four feet, Cat shot 64.9%, so basically 65%. He made two-thirds of his shots from inside five feet. This year, so far, inside five feet, Carl Anthony Towns is shooting 57.8% for the field. That's roughly 9% worse inside five feet. That adds up in a hurry. From five to nine feet, so a lot of post-up situations. Last year, he was 40.7% from the field. This year, he's 37.5%, so roughly 3% lower. 10 to 14 feet, he shot 35.3% last year. This year, he's barely shot the ball there at all, and he's not made a single shot from that range on the floor. 15 to 19 feet, um, 41.4% from the field last year. This year, 33% from the field. That obviously represents a really low number of his field goal attempts. But then from the perimeter, he's better than he was, both 20 to 24 feet and then 25 feet and beyond, which is why the effective field goal percentage and the true shooting percentage are in such a good spot. But he's not drawing the fouls at the rate he needs to. Um, and he's not scoring, you know, he's missing kind of gimmies and bunnies in the paint um, and not finishing well through contact. So those are all things that Towns absolutely has to figure out. Um, and part of that scheme, part of that's getting him in, in, in plus situations on the floor, but he's also the superstar on this team and he's got to figure something out. He's got to, he's got to find a way um, to, to get easier buckets in the paint. But the, you know, watch how he's being officiated, watch how that has changed. And watch how he handles double teams. I mean, those are the those are the things to keep an eye on here moving forward. All right, Wolves Lakers Friday night. The Lakers have been disappointing so far this season. They're just seven and five. Uh, they're a bottom ten offensive team. LeBron's not going to play Friday. He's only played in six games so far this year. Um, there's several other injuries. Uh, Rajon Rondo didn't play. He's questionable for Friday's game. He didn't play their last time out. Uh, Kendrick Nunn has been out and will remain out for a couple more weeks. And he was supposed to be a rotation player for them. Uh, same with Trevor Reza. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker got hurt in preseason. So a lot of rotation type guys. It's still a pretty deep roster with obviously a lot of veterans. Um, but I mean, this is a team relying entirely at this point on Anthony Davis and Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench and, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, obviously there now too. And having a, I think we could take any season of Russell Westbrook's career and call it a roller coaster. Even his MVP season, I think we could do that with. He's not been good um, so far this year. But I mean, like, it's just such a weird roster. Um, and it's really tough to kind of, pinpoint what's going to happen with them because LeBron could come back and things could be just fine. And, you know, obviously that didn't happen last year, but we don't know. Um, the Lakers don't shoot a ton of threes, but they're a pretty good three-point shooting team when they do. Uh, they're also not a very good rebounding team um, on either end of the floor. And the Wolves, they're one of the few teams the Wolves could have a legit shot at out rebounding. Generally speaking, they're a good defensive team. They've got, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan plays, I, I think, mostly starts for this team um, and plays pretty heavy minutes. Um, and Anthony Davis, obviously, those guys are going to help buoy the block numbers and some of those rebound numbers. But for a team with DeAndre Jordan and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, for that matter, in the backcourt, they don't rebound the ball all that well. Um, and the Wolves should have a chance to, uh, to 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 beat them on the glass. They uh, it's it's just a really weird team. Um, they play with pace, which is surprising for an older team, but not surprising because they've got Russell Westbrook. Uh, but again, don't shoot a ton of threes. So, um. This will be an interesting test for the Timberwolves. It's obviously an important game. Uh, they've lost six in a row and beating a LeBron or beating the Lakers without LeBron is not that tall of a task. I mean, looking at who the Lakers have beaten so far this year, they started their own two losing to Golden State and Phoenix. No shame in that, but they've beaten Memphis, San Antonio, Cleveland, Houston twice, Charlotte and Miami. So of those wins, I mean, Miami in overtime and, uh, 
and Memphis, and I guess now Cleveland are all pretty nice wins, but beating Charlotte in overtime, beating the Rockets twice, and uh, beating the Spurs in overtime, not a whole lot to, to write home about there. They've lost to the Thunder, which is not great. They've lost to Portland. They lost the Thunder twice, actually, and they've also lost those two games against the Warriors and Suns. So they're very much, you know, they're seven and five. They basically got the the point differential of a 500 team. That's what they are without LeBron is at best a 500 team. So this is certainly a winnable game for a healthy Timberwolves team, um, knock on wood, a healthy Timberwolves team. And then they play the Clippers 24 hours later in the same city. So uh, it'd be great to get a victory on Friday leading into the Clippers game on Saturday, but both winnable games, even though the Wolves are down in the doldrums and, and lost six straight and on the road and all that, uh, both winnable games. And it'd be great to see the Timberwolves come away with a win in, in one of these two in, in LA. Uh, we'll have a post game pod immediately following the game Friday night. So be sure that you're following and subscribe to the show. Thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. And remember the show is free and available on all platforms including YouTube, as well as all the audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, um, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at LockdownTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. That's all we have for you today. A reminder that Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.